may turn in your favorite Bible app or the Pew Bible and receive this reading from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of that city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And now I will read from the book of, to the Philippians, chapter 4, beginning with the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Amen. And we invite you now, together with all of us who are here in the sanctuary today, to pray together. Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock and redeemer. Amen. When you travel to places that you've never been, it's difficult to know exactly what to expect, what you're going to find when you arrive there. No matter how carefully you read the guidebooks, and you study the websites, and you talk to people who've been there before, it's always a bit of a gamble. Easy walking distance, 
from your lodgings to the best restaurant in town might turn out to be a mile and a half up 139 stairs. Regular transportation available might mean that there is a bus that regularly runs every Thursday at 3 a.m. <laughs> and picture windows in every room may mean that the room you land in has a picture of a lovely wall outside your door. These things can't be avoided sometimes, and there are reasons why these little half-truths are proffered <laughs> to get you to come to a certain place, to draw you in and, and, and help you land somewhere. Now, there is a lot of deception in the world, some things more benign than others. There's a lot of deception in the world, subtle spin and half-truths, as well as full frontal assaults on truth orchestrated through campaigns of lies. And certain technologies that are available in the world these days make lies even more convincing. And the result of all this is chaos. It's confusion, it's hatred and lack of trust and division. We've seen it and what it's doing to our, our communities, to our culture, to our nation, to our world, really. And as we observe Independence Day this week, the current backdrop to this celebration of our ideals as a nation The backdrop is that our nation is divided and in turmoil. And regardless of your views on the issues, I have mine, you may have different views, our nation's court is on a roll to overturn many long-standing precedents, that's just a fact, that are also causing further strife and chaos. Of course, we in this nation are not alone. World news is full of wars and revolts and every manner of suffering. All this to say, these are turbulent times that we're living, when everything can begin to really feel unmoored and torn asunder and volatile. I was struck by the story in the Washington Post this past week about the effects of human removal of groundwater for drinking and irrigation. Did anybody else see this article? A few folks saw this article, so get this. The headline read, quote, humans have used enough groundwater to shift the Earth's tilt. Mm-hmm. And then this explanation was given in the article, and I quote, Many people might imagine Earth's shape as a perfect sphere, but it's not. It's an oblate spheroid. Sounds like a disease, doesn't it? <laughs> an oblate spheroid. Did you know this? I didn't know this. It's an oblate spheroid, and we know it has high mountains and deep ocean trenches, But think about it, these things distribute mass unevenly and make the planet resemble a lumpy potato. That's what it said in the paper, I'm not making this up. The whole thing, this lumpy potato earth, is also spinning like a top, 
And if you move enough mass from one place to another, the planet will wobble as it spins. This is what is being discovered about what is happening on planet Earth. Our planet is literally wobbling. Wobbling. No wonder things feel so shaky all around us. We're not the first ones to experience shaky ground and nations in an uproar and kingdoms tottering. Psalm 46 speaks of all of these things and reminds us that in the midst of it all, God is our refuge and strength, and that we need not fear because God is with us. I imagine it was as difficult in the psalmist's day as in ours to really hold on to these truths. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to become overwhelmed with despair for the brokenness of the world? It's so easy to just slide right on in there. One of the books that I carried with me everywhere I went during my time of leave is Howard Thurman's Meditations of the Heart. And in one of his short meditations, which was first published in 1953, he speaks directly to this challenge of being able to, to hold on to the promise. And I'm going to share the, the meditation with you, um, most, mostly uh, the whole thing. So. Hear these amazing, as ever, words of Howard Thurman. During these turbulent times, we must remind ourselves repeatedly that life goes on. The mass attack of disillusion and despair, distilled out of the collapse of hope, has so invaded our thoughts that what we know to be true and valid seems unreal and ephemeral. There seems to be little energy left for aught but futility. This, he says, is the great deception. He goes on, by this great deception, whole peoples have gone down to oblivion without the will to affirm the great and permanent strength of the clean and commonplace. Let us not be deceived. It is just as important as ever to attend to the little graces by which the dignity of our lives is maintained and sustained. Birds still sing. The stars continue to cast their gentle gleam over the desolation of the battlefields. And the heart is still inspired by the kind word and the gracious deed. There is no need to fear evil. There is every need to understand what it does, how it operates in the world, and what it draws upon to sustain itself. We must not shrink from the knowledge of the evilness 
of evil. Over and over, we must know that the real target of evil is not the destruction of the body or the reduction to rubble of cities. The real target of evil is to corrupt the spirit of humans and to give to the human soul the contagion of inner disintegration. When this happens, he says, there is nothing left. The very citadel of the person is captured and laid waste. Therefore, the evil in the world around us must not be allowed to move from without to within. This would be to be overcome by evil. To drink in the beauty that is within reach, to clothe one's life with simple deeds of kindness, to keep alive a sensitiveness to the movement of the Spirit of God in the quietness of the human heart and in the workings of the human mind. This is, as always, the ultimate answer to the great deception. Thurman is consistent, and that's in quote. Thurman is consistent throughout his writings about the absolute necessity to guard against the evil around us invading our inward center. Such an invasion to be overcome by evil leaves us feeling that all life is pain and injustice, that nothing will change, and our hope is futile. In other words, evil steals our life. It steals our hope and our joy and our energy and our commitment, our sense of agency and purpose. And I can't help but think of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, and I hope many of you have read this book. It's an oldie, but one that I go back to over and over and over again. Uh, It's a book in which the main character, Screwtape, is a master demon training his junior, Wormwood in the ways of temptation and deceit. And Screwtape reveals throughout the book that the great deceiver is always trying to pervert the human experience of God's good gifts. And that the deceiver is trying to disconnect us from our true selves, our sense of humanity. And that the deceiver is always trying to distract us from God in general anything that would lead us to God. And Screwtape becomes particularly agitated when he learns that his junior deceiver, Wormwood, has allowed the man that Wormwood is trying to tempt to do some things. And these are what the the man has been allowed to do. He's been allowed to read a book that he really enjoys just for the sake of its enjoyment. He's been allowed to take a walk in the countryside that he loves and that gives him joy. And to land at a little place where he could have a good cup of tea. Now, why would Screwtape be so upset at these things? Because these activities led the man to, and I quote, it led the man to feel that he was coming home, that he was recovering himself. You see, these are 
humanizing activities. And that is directly counter to the devilish desire, which is namely to take everything, to get the man's soul, as C.S. Lewis says, and give him nothing in return. Reading a book simply because we enjoy it, taking a pleasant walk, these are akin to Thurman's encouragement to attend to the little graces by which the dignity of our lives is maintained and sustained. The birds, the stars, the inspiration of a kind word and a gracious deed. To focus on the beauty around us to be kind, to stay alert to God's spirit moving in and around us. That seems like a really simple thing, right? Just, just do those simple little things. Like so much of our Christian faith, these things may be simple teachings but they take practice to achieve. Last week after my sermon, many folks asked me um, if I would be willing and able to, to share more about what I've learned over these past months about the concrete ways that we might shift how we live so that we stay nearer to our first love, stay nearer to home. And Thurman's insight that I'm lifting up today from this meditation is one of those things. I find myself practicing this since the first time I read the meditation some months back. So uh, when I start to become frustrated, for example, when I often always become frustrated in the midst of DC traffic, I mean, I just, I'm not even going to pretend that it doesn't happen. I get really frustrated in DC traffic. And so what I'm trying to do is, when I get frustrated in DC traffic, I start to try to look around and find something pleasant to focus on. So it might be a beautiful home, it might be a beautiful garden, it might be a parent walking with their child, or playing with their child, or trying to get their child to settle. It might be pulling up alongside where I'm stuck and looking next to the car next to me and seeing somebody in their seat singing and dancing to some song. And I think that's it. Whatever it is, I try to find something positive. And then, you know, I've started doing this too. Like if I have a sensation, I feel a lovely breeze. I love a good breeze, you know? And so like when I start to feel a good breeze, I just stop and I let myself feel the breeze. So if you, stand, if you ever see me like standing outside like this, I might be praying, but I might also just be feeling the breeze. You know, it, it, it is, um, it's a very rare phenomenon, I find, to have nothing good to focus on once you start paying attention. but it really does take practice. I'll tell you, the other day, you know, since I got back, everybody's been asking me how I'm feeling. Are you feeling well? Are you feeling rested? How you doing? Da, da, da. And I have been able to honestly say, I feel great. I feel so good. My heart is full. I'm feeling every good thing in the world. I can't believe how happy I am. Oh my gosh. Mm, a couple of days ago, um, I woke up. I just woke up. And I woke up sideways. I mean, I was not right. 
I don't know what it was. Maybe I had some bad dreams or something. But I, <laughs> I woke up and um, and and my my spirit was crummy. It was it was a mix between wanting to cry or throat chop someone for no good reason. I mean, it was a mess. You know, and those are the moments or the days when it's most important to practice. So I I hauled myself out of bed and I tried to stay out of Anthony's way. He didn't need what I was bringing. And、uh, got myself to my exercise class, and then stopped to have tea and some food on my way home. And Anthony joined me. God bless him. And I shared crumbs. We sat outside at Union Market, and I was having my breakfast. And I decided I would share crumbs with the birds outside of Union Market. And they started flocking to the table. And so I started just focusing on the crumbs and the birds, who were enjoying themselves to the full. And I didn't do anything else. I'm just going to focus. On the feeding birds, which I did for a good long while, and what I discovered is that、uh, it didn't tidy up all my messy feelings, which, you know, were a lot. But it helped me to pause. It helped me to pause and to resist allowing that invasive, heavy cloud that came from nowhere. Does anybody else ever have that? Just feels like you just get over. It just something just moves in, and it wants to settle. It helped me just hold that at bay and resist that, so that I could begin to take a tiny step toward recovering myself. To attend to the little graces all around you is not to bury your head in the sand about evil. Thurman is clear about that. But rather, it's to choose. It's to choose to be fortified and nourished by the good gifts of God, and by God's presence that are always present with us, as we labor to do justice and to act with loving kindness in our bruised and hurting world. We can choose where we focus. We can choose what we allow to settle. And if we're not careful in our choices, we can find ourselves consumed by the weight of the world, rather than buoyed by its beauty. We can be deceived into giving in to things that don't give life, or by being overcome by the raging world, rather than resisting the great deception through simple acts of kindness and sensitivity to the movement of God's Spirit. As our text from Philippians encourages us, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable—if there's any any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise—think about these things. Focus. On these things, look for these things. Why not practice this simple, difficult Christian teaching? I believe it makes a profound difference. May Holy Spirit give us strength to do so.